Welcome, welcome, welcome to Straight to Tape. My the Mr. Fantastic of Podcasting's Fantastic Four. First, the comedian, <laughs> professional joke slinger Tico DeGallo. What's good, Tico? Well, you know, people talk about it. I live it all day, every day, twice on Sundays, three times on holidays. But on teachers' work days, I be chilling. You got to chill. Yeah, I see the babies are a little bit active in the background at the crib, bruh. Who? Not my babies. Those not my dogs. Whose babies were those? <laughs> Doc Rob's babies. Oh, oh God! More babies, more babies, and of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> the uh, first lady of S two T, quintessential hip hop mom, Keisha with a Y. What's good, Keisha? What's up, y'all? It's Hip Hop Mom, Keisha with a Y, your favorite mom, and your mom's favorite mom, and a tired mom. I drove 700 miles yesterday, so. 700 miles? Mm-hmm. In 24 Yo, hours, yeah. Anybody hear that microphone interference? Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Is it me? I don't uh, know. That's that's live that's live broadcasting for you. Yeah, let's do a live chat. Yeah, that's UK. <laughs> All right, that sound better. That sound better. That sound better. And funny. of course, uh our social media assassin. Yeah, look, y'all, you know who it is for the two one Rob the actual. What's good, Rob? In the building, man, ruggedly handsome, geekishly intelligent, here to always bring a balanced perspective. Hey, man, if you're watching, join us in the comment section, man. Be active, man. Hear your name shouted out at the end of the broadcast, man. You know what I'm saying? Thank you for joining Straight to Tape. Thank you for watching, yo. Let's go. Let's go. Word, word, word. And sitting in for uh, our favorite permanent guest host, Bishop Omega, look, longtime friend of the show no, from North Carolina Central University, R- uh, Russell Robinson, aka Doc Rob. What's good, Doc? Unmute yourself, homie. Yay! Thank you. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, uh, Z, yeah, y'all got me. I, I've been away. No, everything is good in the neighborhood. I'm so glad to be here with y'all rocking my other alumni university, Howard University. Yes, we gave you all the first black female vice president. Thank you. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, ladies and gentlemen, we got a we got a great, great show prepared for you guys today. Now remember, uh, you can catch straight to tape 
live Sundays, 2 p.m. right here on Facebook Live and on Twitch. Audio versions of Straight to Tape is available on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, IG, Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. And also, don't forget to go over to YouTube to the S2T Media uh, page, all right, uh, where, we, where you might, where you're probably going to find some extended content. And, of course, hit that follow button for your people. Okay, so before we get started, you know how we like to do, um, anyone have anything they want to share special? Um, I, I, I have something I want to share, man. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not in the way of t-shirts wow. <laughs> because I, I i am temporarily on t-shirt battle hiatus temporarily because i'm coming back with some fire but um i just want to take this time to uh wish you a happy born day p you know what i'm oh, saying man. happy birthday brother you know what i mean uh, thank you thank yeah, it's you. not every day you turn 56 man but you know what i'm saying you're doing it with grace you know what I mean? You're doing it with uh, you know, with style and class, brother. You don't look a day over uh, fifty. <laughs> well, if I was turning fifty six, yeah, uh, then I make fifty six look damn good. Okay, right, right, right. Not turning fifty six, but either way, I'm making my age look damn good. Yeah, age uh, well, yeah. brother. Yeah, thank you, bro. Thank you, thank you, and you know, thank you for all of the, uh, you know, birth, the birthday love that I've gotten today. And uh, look, we love what we do, okay. And I love that on my birthday, on my birthday. Trust me, I could be anywhere, but I'm here with y'all, and that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Much love. Much love, Keisha. You're muted, baby. <laughs> Keisha, you're muted. There, you go. Um, there you go. I must comment on the fact that Perry has an ascot on today. Yes. Oh yeah. Scooby Dooish right now. Well, I mean, you know, I figure, you know, uh, I mean, this is an occasion, so I figure I just dressed apart for the day. Uh, so yeah, I went in my closet and I picked up one of my nine ascots and went with this one. So okay, that's what's oh, up. Oh nine, yeah, because because uh, because ten is just. Too much. Too just much. too many, too many ascots. Ten is just over overboard. So you only have nine. Okay. That's what's yeah, I mean, it's it's an even it's, it's an even yeah. number. It's an even number, you know. I can't do them even numbers. So you know, nine, I figured be cool, you know. Yo, so if you're in the comments, man, um, on any of the streams, Twitch, on any of our uh Facebook live feeds, go to the comments and drop Perry a happy birthday wish, man. You know what I'm saying? Appreciate you, appreciate you. Merci, merci. Tico, you got anything you want to share? Well, yes, I do. Um, uh oh. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. Is because of um one of the one of one of my top shows that I'm watching right now. And uh, so decided to go ahead and 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 uh, support the vision. Get it? The vision. <laughs> oh, Okay, oh, okay. That's tight. Nice, nice. That's tight. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I like that. I'm like digging it. it. Like now, this very special thing about this shirt, ladies and gentlemen, is with your phone, if you happen to look at my shirt and glance at it through your phone, there's magical things that appear from upon my shirt. From upon my shirt. 
Okay. Okay. And magical. We're things. not going to test that theory now, but no, um, no, 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 we are not. Right now, we're, no, not. We're, we're not. We're not. We're not. I'm just letting you know. You know what I'm saying? That's I mean, we up. might. That's I'll say this: we might have. To, Weird. You know, we might have to save that one for uh, some. Uh, some yeah, either theaters or the weirdest, some special content. But look, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, Weird. we got some good guests in the house, so let's go ahead and uh let's go ahead and get started. All right. So we are uh you know, we're moving into actually we, we're into the second week of the Biden administration, and uh, you know, uh number 46. Well, you know, he's getting hot with that pen. Okay, he's getting hot with that pen. Uh so this past week. This this past week, um, this past week, the um, uh, President Biden uh, signed some uh, executive orders uh, that centered around uh, racial equality. Okay, uh, one he directed the uh, Department of House and Urban Development to take steps necessary to uh, redress. Uh, racial uh, discriminatory uh, federal housing pro uh, policies. He directed the uh, Department of Justice to end its use of private prisons. He reaffirmed the federal government's commitment to tribal sovereignty and consultation and to combat xenophobia against Asian American and Pacific Islanders. Okay, so uh, to my people, uh, I guess my question is, all right, now, all right. Every president does executive orders. All right. Uh, with this one in particular, since he's, you know, uh, making that attempt to tackle racial equality. One thing that I'm, you know, thinking back, uh, you know, to other, you know, to other presidencies and other um, executive orders, you know, never really heard of real focus on racial equality. All right. However, do these feel do these feel symbolic? All right. Symbolic only. Or will this you know, do you feel that this will be backed up by legislation? I, 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 you know, first of all, first of all, first of all, I'm confused. <laughs> well, what's confusing, bro? What's confusing? Uh, how do you legislate this? Like, you know what I'm saying? Conform to conform to equality or else. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, I don't you know what I'm saying. Well, this is this is this is crazy, man. This is crazy. I you know, uh, I get it. He's a he's jumping out the gate and and uh, trying to to bridge these gaps, man. But look, I mean, until we start seeing things go down uh, for us, for the people, you know, it you know, I don't know about you all, but you know. Any, 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 what they say, any city slicker can come in and, and, and talk you, talk you at your house. You know what I'm saying? But, but show and prove, you know, I got to see, I got to see your, uh, your actions. So I, I don't know. I, that's, it's, it's, it's confusing to me. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. How, how do you, how do you, how do you take something that's, that, that's deep rooted and just throw an executive decision on, hey, you know what I'm saying? Either you conform to this or, or, or else. So let so executive orders are not legislation. They are executive orders. They do not become law. They become kind of the rule of the land until another president comes and decides that he doesn't like that particular executive order and he rolls it back, just like Trump did with a lot of Obamas, just like Biden did with a lot of Trumps. Wow. So 
these things are all symbolic, especially related to the federal prisons, um, the no private prisons. I read a couple of different federal, 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 right. But I read a couple of different um, sources and the impact is so minimal. Now, if he was letting people out of these federal prisons for nonviolent drug offenses or something of that nature, then that's one thing, but he ain't let nobody out of jail. So basically what they did was shift shift the responsibility for owning and operating a prison that was uh, privately owned from that private owner back to the federal government. So think in your mind how different that's going to make things for anybody. It's not. So um, I, I... I I do want to say that anyone who takes over a job from someone else and things are a complete mess, which I've experienced in my life as a a manager of people, as a manager of processes and things. When you out the gate, you're going to, you're going to kind of try to do what we call low hanging fruit. So those are changes that are easy to make that kind of bolsters confidence in you and, and uh, morale and all of that stuff. And I, I, I'm hoping that's where, what period we are now with, with uh, president Biden, that he's, he's taking what he perceives to be those low hanging fruits um, in order to kind of build momentum, build uh, morale, and to continue on to actual legislation as opposed to just signing all the shit. Because he could sign all the shit he wants and the next president in four years could roll every fucking thing back. So it's not concrete. It is only for the length of his presidency if someone decides to roll it back in four years. Yeah, I kind of co-sign on everything that you said. I think the main thing uh, is this whole thing, it's optics right now. Yep. And looking at where we are right now, really Biden has nowhere to go but up as far as restoring confidence in where we are with race politics in America. I think the chief thing that's important is going to be the true test is going to be when he's able to appoint Supreme Court justices again. When he's able to go ahead and actually see some real laws, I completely agree with you, Hip Hop Mom, when you talk about the notion of the prison industrial complex. I mean, that if you go back and take a look at Michelle Alexander's text, she talks about this and how during the Nixon era, during that time, that is when you have this war on crime. And it really was a war or an assault on people of color, black people and those who are uh, in the inner city. So you saw the prison complex grow from roughly 200,000, really the federal complex at least, to now upwards of millions. And what you're doing is you're warehousing people. Uh, We talk about this notion, if you will, of rehabilitation. The prison is not designed any longer to rehabilitate. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have to do something to, to me, if you really are about racial reform and you want to link it to prisons, what can we do to make sure that people can take that box off these job applications? What are we doing to make sure that people are able to really reinsert themselves back into the 
society? What are we doing to make sure that we keep the recidivism low? And what are we also doing, I think, to police the policing in this country? So I think right now we're looking at optics. I'm optimistic. But again, I, I, show me where the money resides on this one. Yeah, yeah. I when mean, when the money reside, when the money reside, uh, when the money reside, when the money reside. We knew it. Exactly, exactly. You, well, look, reform, okay? I mean, you hear the word all the time, and the prisons, you know, the, the, the prison system and policing itself is another thing. Boom, we need reform, okay? Because, Doc, you just hit it, okay? Uh, how do you expect to use the prison system to reform and then return to society and then be a, you know, be a gainful member of society when you can't get a job because you were in prison for yeah. a stretch? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That, yeah. you know that you know that you know that's a, that's impossible that's how you get repeat of, repeat offenders okay right you know, that you know, you know that's you know that's how you that's that's how at you the core it. that's at the yeah. absolute core of why you get repeat offenders and if y'all don't believe that the pipeline the prisons these private prisons whether they be federal or state or city jurisdictional mm-hmm. is his like goes back to reconstruction Y'all have not studied shit. Like it is absolutely a tool that was created to get the people that escaped, not escaped, were freed from slavery back into system servitude. Yep. Absolutely. It is proven. So anybody that tells me that, and that's the whole thing, this shit is generational. Like you can't come and and spray the table with Windex and wipe that shit down and expect you got bullshit, you got cat shit and dog shit and human shit all under the table and you wipe the top of the table and be like, okay, y'all good? No, fuck, we're not. Because there's been, like, there is just generational disservice in this country to people that look like me Mm -hmm. by law, by law. So I had I had someone tell me the other day that well redlining really happened in the north. So it's not really a problem in the south. Bitch, what? Like that's fine, but that was after reconstruction when black people actually got free from slavery and they went to the north and they gained some semblance of wealth and wanted to buy property. And what did they do? They created laws that disallowed black people from buying property. Like if you try to twist that shit, then just fuck you move out the way while we make these changes. And that's where I am in my life right now. If you don't see clear facts, like these are, these aren't, these aren't gesticulations. These aren't media turns this way or that way. This is a fact. There were laws against black people buying property. Mm hmm. And, um, check and check out the uh, you know we've talked about this documentary several times on this broadcast for uh, different shows and different topics but make sure you check out the Netflix documentary 13th because it, it, it definitely goes in, into in, uh, in, in depth and, I, and many of you in the comments I'm pretty sure you've seen it but um, I know a lot of you haven't as well um, just stands to reason but um, check that out and it explains a lot of what Keisha just said Ah, so true, so true. Um, and look, I'm 
I'm going to try to stay positive. Okay. Uh, just to just try to stay positive that, um, that the signing, that the using of the pen and the signing is going to lead to proper legis- legislation. Uh, I'm going to try to stay positive. I'm going to use the, use I have a, the, I have use a the word try. Yeah. What's up? I have a question. So in your memory bank, mm-hmm. are have there been times where a president signed an executive order that then became went through the proper process and became law? I'd like an example because I really don't know. Yeah. And to be honest with you, that would take further research. I'm sure that they have. Okay. Or at least a couple of them have. Okay. Uh, a, cu- a couple. A couple. All right. Uh, but yeah, that would take, that would definitely, definitely take further research. Um, all right. So look, we're going to move away from uh, executive orders for right now. And we're going to talk a little bit about, um, well, we are one, we're, we're one month. We're as of today, you know, we're almost one month into this year. Okay. And, um, one thing that we were, I, I'll say this once again, being positive, you know, one thing that I was, that I hoped with the new administration, uh, one thing that, uh, we, I was hoping that we would be able to fight and fight properly is the spreading of misinformation. Okay. But as we can see, especially after what happened on January 6th, uh, it's going to be a constant battle. All right. Um, and <laughs> Doc Rob, this was right down your alley, bro. Okay. Um, yes, yeah. So <clears throat> I think when you talk about, and I'm looking at the, the lower third here, media's responsibility to fighting the misspreading of information. I want to make sure that we kind of break this down and say not the media, but actually talk about those who have the microphone, if you will. So if you take a look at, you know, the people who have had the microphone, the bully pulpit, particularly 45. Well, he was able to have a political commercial that lasted for 10 years. I think I've said this before. Mm-hmm. And as he did this, he also was one of the chief ones who came up with the whole notion of birtherism and all this other stuff. So he played into the moral panics that you see that really tapped into America's heartland. So when people are saying, is America really this way? Is it, it can't be this way. No, 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 no. Yes, it has been. You just and had that your eyes closed. That, that birther thing was a pivotal point, right? Absolutely. Never in, before in history, in our lives, had we seen just straight up misinformation touted as truth. Like, I don't, I mean, you know, you see political, before that you saw political ads and <laughs> it might've told and it might've like kind of, bit the truth a little bit but that whole donald trump birther thing complete it was a complete lie and the, the length of time it took the media to actually verbally say donald trump is lying was immense but you also got to remember the media or at least news media had never really had been put to this level of test mm-hmm. you have the commander-in-chief the executive branch of government calling out the fourth estate. Mm-hmm. So he's literally attacking the fourth estate and attacking news media as a whole. And as he's doing this, fake news, fake news. And remember, he's tapped into his base. 
-hmm. He was able to tap into a whole lot of people who got to vote against their own interest really off of race-based politics when you break it down. And, and again, it goes back to this notion of being critical consumers of media. None of his people were critical consumers of media. If you had, look, if you go back and just look at Schoolhouse Rock and know how a bill becomes a law, you could tell how he was basically screwing that up. Yeah. So I think the reality here is that a lot of folks were playing into the fact it was kind of like we saw American racism at its best because you then saw Obama who came in, black man as the president, and a lot of folks had trouble negotiating that. Yeah. And so you then see Donald Trump, who is playing race politics, playing the war on crime, doing all of that to get people's the pot stirred up. So then it's almost as though that you had a virtual Jim Jones effect. I talked about this with my students. I was like, do y'all know who Jim Jones is? Yeah, the rapper. No, I'm talking about the cool. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I need y'all to understand about that. So the challenge is, is that he literally was able to get people to drink the social media Kool-Aid. This is the, I mean, I have never, this is a pivotal point when you think about it, that you're looking at private media industry blocking the president of the United States for willfully misplacing this disinformation. And to be clear, his disinformation campaigns were strategic. It's not by happenstance. This is all something that was really well constructed. He had the ability to do it. And here's the funny part about it. When they were ready for the quote, revolution, are you ready for the revolution? As I, I always go back to what you say about this, Rob, when Thundar the Barbarian came up, to him, <laughs> right? all of a sudden, we want pardons. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, 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 no. And so they're all pissed off at the highest points of festivity, but you drank the Kool-Aid. And then you have this one woman who say, please, that's Trump, blah, 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 blah. I mean, she's now a real, she's a meme for real. But that is the, the point is, is that that is the real side effect of this. People who do not critically think about the media they take in, they can take in this stuff and all of a sudden it's a big letdown. And so this person is in a state of psychosis, gross state of psychosis. And I was able to cut a video up back and forth. And I looked at the where he's like, you need to stand down, go home. And I mixed it together. And it was funny because it's literally always he was talking to this one person. And I think the sad part about it is that our media system we now found is broken to the sense that we do need to think about how we are fact checking and double checking. And we have to really consider the people who are at the microphone. I mean, like I said, how many of us would knowingly go out and drink battery acid? Nobody. But if we go ahead and we put it with flavor, color and package it and commercialize it, you'll drink it just like these people did. And now you got people, like I said, Thundar, the organic barbarian, who's really trying to get a part who's not going to get one. Doc, you know, by you know, barbarian. Yeah, Doc. Okay. Um, and, and I'm glad you brought up news media and traditional media. Okay. But look at it over the past 10 years, you've had the explosion of social media and you've had the explosion of new media. Okay. Right. Uh, you know, you know, social media, of course, being, you know, you know, being, you know, being your, uh, your Twitter platforms, your Facebook platforms, your platforms to get information out there, uh, whether it's fact checked information or not fact checked information, as well as new media, right. new media, mm -hmm. like, like our platform here at straight, you know, our, our platform here at straight to take. Okay. Uh, where we are, yeah. Where we are discussing, you know, the, the issues where we are discussing the, uh, you know, the events. Okay. Are we a part of the, um, are we a part of the traditional uh, media scope? No, we are not. However, 
we share the same responsibility. Okay. And I and look, and, you know, and, and I know here, I know here straight to tape. We take that responsibility seriously with what we, you know, what, what we talk about with what, you know, what we put out there. Okay. I know others who have the same type of platform that do not. Right. Yeah. And that well, but and, and that not, responsibility, and that responsibility is a kind of a gentleman's agreement and everybody ain't gentlemen. Like yeah. it really is. It's no, there's no real, there's at, not real. There's absolutely no accountability. Mm. So you can say whatever you want. Well, here's the thing too, because uh, I think Perry, you make a solid point because I think you have to divide new media, as you say, social media, and then journalism In journalism, Journalism is held by the tenet of seek the truth and report the truth. That is what yep. we expect our news journalists to do. Yep. Now, in new media and social media particularly, social media allows people to have their own audiences, build their own audience bases. So we're not talking peer-to-peer, but we're talking audience to audience. So a person then becomes a social media influencer. And if they are the influencer, they got the mic. They can go ahead and say what they want to go say. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if they're telling the truth. It doesn't matter if they're telling a lie. I mean, you've had parlor which was out there spreading conspiracy theory. And that was their right because we are in a free marketplace to do so. Um, What you are and what we're all doing, and again, I thank you so much for giving me the idea with my class, we're in what we call social media entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. in the sense that we are doing this on our own and we are able to speak our own truth, which means historically, if we go back, spin the wheel back to 1980-something, media was really controlled by major conglomerates and you only had maybe three, four major networks. At that point, you then had cable, but now you have this boom, if you will, of information, this global media village that McLuhan talks about. And so when you think about this whole piece, are journalists obligated to tell the truth? Yes. But are you obligated to tell the truth? You're not, but you do so because you are right. You are in that partnership because you want to be trustworthy and considered credible. If you are, however, in the business of building an audience, then you could be like some folks like Diamond and Silk, sorry, or you could be like the Hodge twins who will get out and say whatever they want to say to market a message, to be fenced to famous so they can be heard and seen. So I do believe that we have to qualify that. I am so appreciative of this platform and what you all do because you provide... And I'm be honest with you. So on Sunday mornings, you have face the nation and, and, and meet the press. Mm-hmm. But on Sunday afternoon, I got straight to tape. So I can get down <laughs> to the real, real, speak my type of dialogue and speak my truth about current events of the day and still be socially and spiritually fed. And you know, it's All funny right. that I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up people like Diamond Silk, Diamond and Silk, and you brought up people like the Haas twins. But at the same time, you I mean you have to bring up the uh you know the the corporate the corporate faces as well the tucker carlson's oh, yeah. the sean you know sean sean hannity's the rachel maddow's okay mm-hmm. the chris hayes's all right the you know uh you know those that you know have some who do have the um the journalistic background some that do not okay True. um True. but but perry, and, but perry. Yeah, perry uh-huh. i'm sorry but are we um are we banking on that that people have that m- morale or, or or sense of seeking the truth because all i've heard you know what i'm saying and all i know is that when you're bombarded by a lot of information mm-hmm. and you have some inkling of what you may think you know uh 
you know, black people are sun or 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 or, 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 or sun people. We come from the stars. You know, we get our we get our power from the sun. We generate like a battery. You know, and 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 but but that's just teachings that we've that we've learned from ourselves, right? So if we're if we're bombarded by like just information, somebody says that, and then somebody says, well, you know, uh, it happened. Uh, a dude or uh, uh, a white man came through and he tripped over a sword and picked it out and said, by the power of grace gold. And all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? White power, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you know what I'm saying? Do you feel what I'm saying? I mean, you have all this information and, and, and people mixing in and mingling the truth because everybody knows a lie, you know, deep, deep, deep rooted. A lie is just the truth that somebody didn't want to hear. So, you know what I'm saying? So do you think that, because we have so much information because I mean, do, I mean, what I'm saying is do we bank on thinking that people will sit down and dig for the truth as much as we would, because you have some people that'd be like, you know what, I'm not going to read that. I'm going to take this for face value. This is how I think. So I'm just going to post this, not even read what the hell is going on or who sent it, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. So, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. It, it, to me, it is more of a hope. Okay. I hope that you want to learn the truth. Mm. I hope that you want to look at both sides. I hope that you want to, uh, you know, dig. All right. And not just, not just take the initial story as the face value story. That's what I hope. Okay. Do I expect that? Unfortunately, no, I don't. Okay, because you know we're in a niche society. All right, of course, I mean, we are in, the yeah. music we listening to. Listen to the bullshit music they listening to, dude. If they if there's good music out here, <laughs> but if you don't if you don't go dig for it, you know what I'm saying. You have to dig. I mean, when when digging in the crates is really like you know digging in data, dog. Like you really got to mm-hmm. dig in data in order to get to some good shit. And I feel you, yeah. P. I feel you. I'm sorry to cut you off on that. And I know you was on the road. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. That's exactly how I feel about it, man. Just like no, 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 like no, bro. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm big on, I'm big on knowledge, and I'm big on digging for it. Key. Um, you. This is a fairly new science, but the science of bias, and you have to bring the, the, the word of confirmation bias into this conversation because with the advent of social media like you can think that it's okay to hold on to your dog's tail while he takes a shit I bet you if you google it or you search on Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or Twitch or whatever Instagram you'll find a group of people that think the exact same way. Now, whether that's right or wrong, that's not a question. But you found a group of people that believe the exact same thing that you do. So mm-hmm. with that, that before the internet, those people were so far apart, right? Mm-hmm. Y'all remember meetups like at the very beginning of the internet before mm-hmm. people actually before the social media came to be. The internet existed. But there were meetups, so you could like join a meetup if you you love dogs. So you join a meetup if you love to crack pecans with your teeth or whatever, right? Yep. 
social media blew that shit away because all I have to do is go onto one of my social media platforms and search for my weird or not so weird in my head thought process. And there's probably a group of people there that will accept me with open arms. So that is confirmation that what I think is okay. That's right. But it exactly. may not be okay. It, in society, it may not be okay. By law, it may not be okay. By truth versus untruth, it may not be okay. And that's where we are with this group of people, right? They are spewing untruths, but there are so many of them that that believe these untruths, that believe these things that have no, no proof, no receipts at all. It's just you say it, and we've said this a million times about the Donald Trump crew. You say it, you throw that shit up in the air, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's it becomes their truth. So, but but the 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 I guess bolstering factor caveat here is that there are a lot of these motherfuckers, a lot. They're not in the numbers of somebody who likes to grab their dog's tail while he takes a shit or people that like to crack pecans with their fucking teeth. I actually went out into the world this past weekend. And all I could think about when I was in the airport was half of these people don't like me because of what I look like. And that's what voting the last election has proven to us that is what the continuation of these stupid ass lies. And I really believe if the media had called them lies way before just a few months ago, then we wouldn't be here, but they're lies. They are lies. They're unsubstantiated untruths. But the other thing Keisha with that is that when you think about the notion of truth, and media, we also have to think about the notion of how media, I guess, constructs one's reality. <clears throat> um, we talk about socialization and media is a chief agent in how we view and construct our version of reality. And so I think in going back to what Tico mentioned, it's about this marketplace of ideas and how many people wish to look at what reality. So again, we now have all these versions of reality. The question I think comes down to is now, do we have to have reality um, legislated for us. And I think that's where we are. Um, when we think about this notion of someone doesn't like me because of the color of my skin, or we got people who are now looking at this fearless leader thing <clears throat> and now viewing this as a way of saying, well, this is my truth. So this is my reality. I think we're going to have to spend in order to I, I'll put it this way. I believe that there will be a psychological tsunami, if you will, mm. where we'll have to start to, I guess, deprogram folks. Because you've got 70 million people who listened to what this man had to say. Yep. And those 70 million people listened to hate speech. They listened to anti-Semitism. They listened to Islamophobia. Everything that was negative that this man used to run into the White House. So now we got to brainwash folks. So I think that is something that we have to think about. You know, if you want to give me some real psychos, give me some real executive orders or something, let's think about a campaign for psycho psychology and how to get people's minds back to the state of being whole. I'm sorry, I mean to cut you off like that, but um, 
yo, when you say that, you know what people will say. People will say, hey, when you when you use words like brainwashing, when you use stuff like, uh, you know, um, reprogramming, you know, uh, and they'll quickly, you know, people will quickly say, hey, that's what they did to the Jews. You know, that's that's concentration camps mm -hmm. and um, that that type of situation. And therefore, you know, therefore, you know, people will fight back for that. But imagine, Tico, if this man had gotten elected, reelected. I, I, I get it. I if get he got reelected, we would probably be looking at them trying to. I mean, they're trying. We talk, They're already trying to rewrite history so that it would go ahead and fit their, I guess, sweet spot. It was not slavery. It was some sort of servitude or something that people involved. No motherfucker. No. Call it what it is. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse. But you have to be direct. And I think if we can face this head forget, on. Did you forget where you were? I'm sorry, y'all. Forgive me. <laughs> but, okay, so, but, so now he apologized for apologizing. I think the key, though, seriously, I think is that we're, we're in a, we were in a crisis. We still are not out of the crisis. But we have to now think about how we go through the recovery of this crisis. And I think mm -hmm. our media system is in gross need of repair. I'm sorry, Keith, but we got people um, right now that are in D.C. that's holding uh, high power. What's his name? Uh, Ty, Tyon, Tyon White. Have you heard about Tyon White? I mean, he had to apologize for, you know what I'm saying, apologizing for saying that Jewish people control the weather. Now, some shit's just crazy, T. Like yeah, some shit's just yeah. crazy, and that I mean, like we're we're not gonna write. We're talking about a, a a large group of people that believe. Because even for him to think that way, there's a lot. There's a like you just said. There's a large majority of people that think that way. You know what I'm saying? That 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 would think that hey man, these Jews they don't they own everything, and the reason why you know we having this bad weather is because Jew with the Jew eyes and, and you know with the rate. I'm just saying that people would really at literally if he thinks this way. And he's holding uh, 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 some piece of uh, political uh, power. So what does that mean? Do do we have to do psychological scans on these people when we um, elect these folks in? Well, you're not going to be able to identify that type of thing. It is no. just it when it shows his face, and you need to take care of it. Like what's her name and um the QAnon chick that's in Congress right now? That crazy half uh, of Georgia. Yeah, Margaret, Margaret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, she's. I read an article where a black newly elected congresswoman was like, "Fuck this! I'm not. My office isn't going to be here because, yeah, Cory Bush. She decided to move her office so she would not have to go into the hall and be harassed for being black and wearing a mask. So that's where we are right now." I think the other thing, too, I'm sorry, uh, the thing is, and I'll be quiet, but the thing is, is that, too, you have to think about not just where they are, I guess, in high-power positions, but they're in law enforcement and other places, oh, yes. structures. And when you think about the fact that you have these brainwashed people in that position, I just saw a film, and I, I'm going to promote it if you don't mind. Please watch American Skin if you've not seen it. Mm -hmm. That is a provocative, good film by Nate Parker. Disabuse yourself of his politics. Go watch the film. The fact is, is that if you have people who are QAnon or people who are far right extremists who are now charged to serve and protect you, there's a very real chance if you look like us, you'll have to be judged by 12 or carried by six. Right. Mm. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a video that just was released. I forgot where it was, but it is a sheriff, a, a chief of police, and one of his underlings, and they're basically spewing a whole bunch of racial slurs mm-hmm. and talking about which black woman they'd fuck. And one of the things that the 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 chief said that stuck with me was when he was talking about slavery and discounting it, saying they gave those people a place to live, a roof over their heads, and food to eat, and clothes on their back. Like that's that's what he thinks about slavery. So you do that to a stray dog. There, right? Exactly. There are people still here in 2021 with the we former black president and current black vice president that really still feel like niggas ain't shit. These are people that are that when they get their job, they swear to protect and serve their constituents. But they still think of black people as not human or part human. Like for real, we are in twenty fucking twenty one, yo. It is. uh, Uh, It's mind boggling. It really is because we were we were having you know the conversation earlier before we uh, signed on today. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that particular news item, but just the overall idea, the overarching um, thing that there are a lot of people in this country, man, that, I mean, that (laughs) aggressively defend racism and racist institutions. And any kind of attempt to roll back some uh, racist symbolism is met with vehement like opposition, like, you know what I mean? Under, Under the guise of preserving history. And this is shit that doesn't even a fucking affect you, right? Right. It's a, this is camera. We're talking about Cameron Village in North Carolina. I mean, in Raleigh, North Carolina, the ownership of Cameron Village, with the approval of the fucking Cameron family estate, is going to change that name because Cameron in Ra- in and around Raleigh back during slavery was like the 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 largest slave owner Mm -hmm. so they that regency centers is choosing not to honor his name anymore and change it to like village whatever what yo these people are angry no better (laughs) i mean but they're angry they're so angry and their their overwhelming excuse for being mad is just get over it Mm -hmm. like you can't change history we can't change history, but we can change the current yeah, and not man. honoring. And if we had to change the name of Raleigh, if we had to change the fucking name of North Carolina, if we have to change the name of South Carolina and Virginia or Maryland or Georgia mm-hmm. or any other city, town, state or fucking small jurisdiction, then that's what will happen. So go sit your white ass over there in the corner while we make this change. <laughs> hey, look, and that look, and, and look, I mean, in the end, you know, that's, you know, that's 
part of the problem, that inability to uh, want to change. All right. Well, look, we're going to wrap, uh, you know, we're going to wrap this and we're going to move on uh, to our next topic, which I found real interesting uh, that, you know, proud, you know, you know, uh, you know, Proud Boys, you know, the new, you know, the, you know, the new group on the right, I mean, the, the new group in the far right, the new group in the, uh, you know, in, in the, in the battle, you know, you know, in the, in the battle of race. Well, the Proud Boy national leader, Enrique Torero, uh, was uh, outed as a FBI, as a uh, FBI informant. Y'all know I have to tell my story again. Um about the society for the um decency of animals like yeah, this well, is some, get, this is you, some of that shit exactly so um okay uh back in um um back in 2012 uh he got well he look he got popped all right uh he got you know he got popped on some drug charges and in return okay I mean, he pled guilty, all right, and uh, his his uh, case, well, his charges, his sentencing was reduced uh, from thirty months to sixteen months, okay, and that's normally attributed uh, to someone that helps the investigate investigators uh, with other cases. I mean, he helped, you know, he assisted. Um, you know, uh, the FBI on cases that were involving drugs, that was involving uh, human human smuggling, smuggling and trafficking, and you know, and gambling. Okay, and this and his um, you know, and this you know, uh, federal prosecutor, uh, uh, an FB, FBI agent, and his own lawyer uh, said this during a 2014 court hearing. Uh, uh, Reuters uh, just revealed this like last week. All right. Now, of course, Torero is uh, denying uh, that he helped, uh, in, you know, he helped authorities investigate, you know, anyone. OK. And for some odd reason, he, you know, he can't remember the contents of the uh, court court transcript. So he's denying it. Uh, the information is out there. Now, question, guys, is anybody surprised, you know, to find out that the leader of the uh, the national leader of the Proud Boys uh, served as an FBI informant, and does this does look does this kill his credibility uh, within the far right community? Who I the fuck is this Liam Neeson motherfucker? Yo? I I, 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 I the only thing I'm surprised about is that he he's he's not white. He's Cuban. <laughs> he's Cuban. Understand? Uh, look, look, and, and I hate to look. I, uh, no, we, ain't I hate, gonna, we ain't gonna do that here today. Cuban. We ain't gonna do he's that here Cuban. today. Okay. We ain't gonna do he's that here today. He's Cuban. We ain't gonna right. do that here today. He, he, he probably thinks deep down in his mind. Go ahead and say he, it, Rob. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. Keisha said we ain't we ain't going there completely, but there's a lot of people mm -hmm. out here that 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 you know have internalized deep down in their soul <laughs> some some kind of way. Anyway, um, let me see your yeah. DNA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, bro. Come on. When, when, they, when, they're, when they're talking people of color, you know what I'm saying? Come on, fam. You're on that list, buddy. Come on, family. You're on that list. <laughs> he I don't even look his, white, though. His, he doesn't his, even look white. I hear swearing you European. Swear up and down some of y'all European. European in the toilet. 
<laughs> He's stupid. That's but, it. Um, but nah, but go ahead, go ahead, Pete. Go ahead, cook, bro. I, I well, I mean, once again, all right, it, you know, it, and just like you know, where you didn't want to go, Rob. Okay, sometimes mm-hmm. it's about sometimes it's about the ideology mm-hmm. and not the DNA. That's true. Okay? And that's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a member of the Proud Boys, okay? And mm-hmm. I mean, if we look at the history of the Proud Boys, I mean, the Proud Boys, you know, the Proud Boys were started as a, you know, as a, a chauvinistic group, okay? Uh, you know, a uh, a boys club, okay? Uh going, you know, going back going back to my little rascals days, the He-Man Woman Haters Club, okay? <laughs> uh and it was started by uh and i apologize i don't feel like researching this this asshole's name right now uh but he was you know but he was one of the people that started vice media okay mm-hmm. and okay. he started the proud boys okay from the time that he started the proud boys it evolved into what it is today okay uh you know with its inclusion of uh you know far right ideology all right so that's the reason why it's not a surprise when you see proud boys when you look at their history when you see proud boys that aren't strictly euro okay okay Okay? that's the reason why it's not a you know not a surprise you know but once again when you start incorporating the ideology of uh you know when you start incorporating far right ideology all right uh then you know you take that on, which he took on. All right. Uh, you know, even though he isn't fully Euro, he Cuban. And mm-hmm. I, I mom said, don't, you know, don't, don't take that road. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a respect mom and, right. and not take that road. Nah, go ahead and let it go. Let, go ahead and let it go. Go ahead. No. Release the Kraken. Nigga. No. Release the Kraken. Like they no. say, release the Kraken. All right. So look, if I'm going to release the Kraken here, uh, I mean, you. I mean, you do have people in the, you know, in the Cuban community that uh, associate, okay, and understand, you know, and take in right wing, you know, and mm-hmm. racist ideology, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Cubans aren't the only community that does that. Oh, absolutely not. But let's let's go back in history a little bit about the island of Cuba was populated by natives which were not white. And then some slaves got dropped off there. Definitely not white. And then the European, the Spanish, actually Spanish Europeans, Span- Spaniards, Spaniards, Spaniards. Yeah. mix a little bit in, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit in. Yeah. That's all. And, 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 and so, so it's understandable. So it's totally, totally understandable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that uh, the dark skinned leader of, uh, uh, you know, of the Proud Boys is, <laughs> well, dark skinned. All right. Ain't no surprise at all. Ain't no surprise hey, he's a dark skinned Cuban. It's funny, though, because as I took somebody, a oh, as somebody that oh. is that, that somebody who is, you know, what I'm saying internationally uh, mixed. <clears throat> I'll have to say to him, you know, um, just because, you know, you see this handsome young African-American um, stud in front of you. Young, young, young. There's deeper. Stud, deeper. stud, stud. 
Uh, hurry up and cook, T. I'm just a guest here. Things going on here. <laughs> Keeping things going on. So it doesn't matter, you know what I'm saying, the skin tone. Just matters of how you take it and how you feel inside your heart. You know what I'm saying? I'm 21% European, and uh, my credit's going up. So thank you very much. Uh, Doc, Rob, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, okay. uh, I was going to say, because you were talking about this notion of Cubans and Haitians or Cubans and dark-skinned Cubans, and I'm, I couldn't help but go back. I took some time, and I just said, let me go back and Google at this cat named Marco Rubio. Marco mm. Rubio is Cuban. Yeah. He's, he's, so I mean, it is. And, and oh, so I think when you skin. think about this thing, I look at that and I'm just like, okay, so that kind of supports everything that you're saying. I think that you, if you go back and take a look historically at the, the boat lift back in the 80s, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they would not let Haitians in, but they, they'd let Cubans in by the dozens. Yep. And so the key is, is I think, I, I just think there's some colorism here we have to think about. There's, and again, I, don't, I look at the dude and I go back to the one drop rule. You look like you're brown to me. So you look like you got a little Negro in you. So I'm still trying to figure this one out with this cat. But again, proud boys, they don't like me. I don't like them. Keep it moving. (laughs) Oh, as my granddaddy used to say, you got some monkeys crawling in your tree. (laughs) Hey, look, look, Doc, and Doc, I'm glad, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up Marco Rubio, okay? Because when you bring up Marco Rubio, of course, I have to counter you with the Rafael Cruz. That's right, motherfucker. I ain't never calling you Ted. You know what the hell you are, you self-hating motherfucker. And I'll leave it at that. No oh, snap. Boom. P just went off on somebody. Boom. I yeah, feel like I'm a check and mate. <laughs> exactly. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, yeah. I, look, look, look. I'm look. I'm I'm sorry. Your mother, your motherfucking mom didn't name you Ted. Your dad didn't name you Ted. Your motherfucking name is Raphael Cruz, Mister Senator. Anyway, yeah, sorry, hey, I man. Get, keep it sorry, real. Bro. Yeah, I had to get that off my chest. I had to get rid of my chest. But look, um, uh, yes, we, we look. We gonna step oh, off. We gonna like step off the prep. Hey, look, we're going to step off the Proud Boys, okay, because uh, we have an an esteemed guest in the house, all right? We have, uh, you know, look, I'm happy and I'm proud to have him on with us, all right? Uh, I mean, this brother is a renowned poet, okay? He's an educator. He's an activist, all right? Uh, he he's an author. He's a hip hop scholar. All right. Um, you know, I, I always like to use the word hip hop renaissance man. All right, because I mean, I mean, well, look, I mean, just be honest. Uh, look at me. I usually consider myself as a hip hop uh, renaissance man, but look, can't be about to bring on. <laughs> is what I like to call a hip-hop renaissance man for sure, all right? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to Straight to Tape, uh, the goat poet himself, Dasana Hanu. Yeah. What is good, family? Hold on, no, hold, hold on. on. Oh, take off mute. You're on, mute, on mute, You're on mute. Unmute yourself, bro. Yeah, that might will help. Man, I'm glad to be here, man. Glad to be here. Glad to be with y'all, man. The conversation's been great. I've been plugged in, um, checking it all out. So uh, so what up, everybody? Hello. What up, what up? What up? How are you? Man, I'm good, man. I can't welcome welcome back. Welcome back to Straight to Tape, homie. Yeah, welcome yeah. Back. It's glad to be Straight back. To 
Oh, gold two story. Yeah. Uh, you see, I would you know, I was just about to bring that up too. Uh ladies and gentlemen, if you ever get a chance, go to the straight to tape um uh audio archives. Uh the first time we had the first time we had the brother Desan on, uh Keisha told this story about this guy uh that she dated with the gold tooth. And it was really not gold teeth, not gold front, but a gold fucking tooth, right? And uh, it was such a hilarious story. And, it, and, and the beautiful thing about Desan is that Desan couldn't let the story go. All right. And it made <laughs> Beautiful listening. So whenever you get a chance, ladies and gentlemen, listen to it again. I, I almost died from laughing that day. Oh god. Oh god. Me too. Oh my god. Man. <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying? But sir, what is going on with you, my man? What's been going on? Man, trying to continue to work and and, and create in these in these ridiculous times, man. Like yeah. That's been the biggest thing, you know, we are, the arts industry lost its ability to be able to be out and about with people. And so everybody kind of had to figure out how to move forward. So, you know, we kind of, you know, took a step back and kind of got over the shock. And then, you know, at least, you know, for myself, we had had to get, had to get to work trying to figure out how we're going to move forward and this um, in whatever way possible. So that's what I've been doing, man, trying to complete projects and stay busy and kind of, um, help folks figure out how we're going to hold this space um, and maneuver going forward. I mean, in the midst of everything, not only just the pandemic, but the the uprisings, that are, the uprisings that happened last year, the election cycle, all of that, just trying to, to figure out where we where we fit and what we need to be dropping right now. True, true. Yo, my man, talk about your new collection, because that's one thing I wanted to, I definitely wanted to, uh, you know, to talk to you about, uh, yeah. which is called uh, Shackle Freedom, uh, Black Living in the Modern uh, American South. All right. What was the inspiration, uh, you know, uh, behind this collection? Yeah, so this is uh this is the second book in the series that I started. Um, the first one was in 2016, uh, Everything We're Fighting For, an expiration of being black in America. And it was it's it's just a way to kind of push back at some of the prevailing narratives about black life and black culture. Um, it's also uh, a chance for me, each one of these books talks a little bit about my uh perspective around arts activism. Um, especially for black artists. And it also is important to me because I'm a Southern artist. And one of the things that I've consistently had to battle and I talk about a lot now because I'm at the place where I feel like we need to have some honest and transparent conversations is how the rest of the country treats the South and how the rest of the country treats black people from the South and how the rest of the country treats smart black people from the South. Like it's not it's not appropriate and I'm not here for it. So one of the things about that is I want to make sure I do my part in in talking about our life over here fully, wholly, not tragically, you know, and so that we can continue to be able to, to, to assert that like life is real different down here, but not like we're not the, the source of everybody's problems. Like we are actually the model for so much and the source for so much of what's good around here. And we're pretty damn amazing over on this side. So let's mm-hmm. stop playing with that. And so that was really where this book came from. And, and actually, uh, and, and, and in the title, okay, the one thing, I mean, the, the one thing that I focus on is modern American South, okay? Mm-hmm. So 
can can you please, you know, to, to our audience, just can you share your definition of the modern American South? Yeah. So for me, that's um, <laughs> for me that that modern American South was important because this is a reflection of my life. And so I'm talking uh, c- civil rights movement forward. I'm talking 60s forward is what I'm talking about when I talk about the modern American South. And I use that 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 point partly because that's the point. That's where I that's, you know, that's my my mom, my my me growing up, but also um because that period of time forward, so much of what's happening is dictated by social movements as opposed to political movements. And when you think about so much of the modern social movements that have made change, there are black folks at the heart of them. There's black women, black queer folks. Like there's so, we're, we have been such a part of fighting for change in this country over the last 50 years that that's, that's why it says shackle freedom. Like we've been fighting for our freedom for a long time, but many of us from the South have been a part of that, but held and shackled by how y'all think about the South. And so we don't get credit for all this work we've been doing to help make the progress we're seeing right now and for setting the model for how we continue to push for progress. And I don't, that, that's just not that's just not what I'm here for. Uh, we, we deserve our due and for being able to stand on our two feet in spite of resilient, joyful um, in the midst of all that. So that's what I mean by modern American South is that period um, from looking at the 60s forward. Okay, I like I'm gonna really have to go and really read because I was just going off the title and I was thinking that you were talking about like cooking chitlins in the air fryer. I'm gonna go back and uh, you know, because as southerners, you know, we do like modern stuff, so yeah, hey. I'm gonna have to go back. I'm, yo, yo, I'm gonna have to give me a copy of that right there. I'm gonna have to, you know, what I'm saying, I'm gonna purchase a copy of that right there, man. As long as you clean them good, you can pull it off. I would not, you know what I'm saying? I don't eat the swine. I, you know what I'm so, but it's all gravy. You know he, eats, he eats all the swine substitutes, though. So Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. rabbit, all that good stuff, yo. No, I'm, I'm talking about um, veggie chitlins, turkey bacon, you know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 tofu, uh, pig's feet, all that type of stuff, you know what I'm saying? Oh, he oh. substitutes he substitutes his swine well, but he don't eat the actual swine. Yeah. But you put turkey bacon and vegan chitlins in the same boat. Oh, wait a minute, I have grass fed chitlins myself. Thank you. Grass fed. Yes. Mm. Wow! wow. Yeah. Oh, I forgot, Doc Rob. You're the master of chitlins, bro. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. He is. I mean, if they grass fed, you don't have to clean them as much. This is true. That's true. Okay. Let's yeah. not do this. <laughs> That makes that makes sense though. It makes sense. I mean, I will. Everybody that I trusted to cook me some chitlins, almost everybody. There's one or two people on this earth still left. Mm-hmm. All the rest of them are gone from here. So that's also facts. Uh, pretty yeah. pretty soon, we, 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 we not only will we have to let the swamp, but we're just gonna have to let because ain't nobody who know how to cook them gonna be left. So right, right. Right, or that we trust to know how to cook them. You can tell me you know how to cook them all day, but I'm going to look at you and I need your credentials. Mm, for real. Brother, I'm intrigued by your scholarship and your work as an academic. I just want to ask you a question. Tell me where your work goes as far as, I guess, now with the new digital media, social media, and all that. How does that activism play into the New South? And I guess, as you say, Black living 
and the modern American South in a digital platform or digital space? It, you know, that's a really good question. And I think we're at a crossroads because what's happening now is, is because of the, the, the access, um, there we're able to get, we're able to garner audiences for things that are beyond our, where we're comfortable, you know, beyond that are beyond the South. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have to do that with an awareness of what that really looks like. Like some people are, some people are genuinely checking in because they're looking to, to, to convene in places that feel familiar to them. Some people really rock with our stuff. Some people are curious because they don't really think, you know, they, they, they're not here for support. They're curious. And so we're, we're going to have to be kind of aware, partly because there are folks finding out how dope we are over here who didn't expect it. And which is right. going to in turn raise the amount of scrutiny uh, because if we can digitally start to reach in places where we have been excluded, right. uh, then we got to be prepared for what that's going to look like and how we're going to get framed. And I've been, you know, I've had the pleasure of, of having that, having that happen firsthand by traveling. And that's sort of why I, I double down so much yep. and having to go into spaces see how I'm being treated and then watch how I'm treated when I'm done. Yeah. And it's like word. Yeah. So um, there's an opportunity, but we got to be careful because it's, it, it's, it's like the, it's like the shiny thing at the bottom of the gourd. When you, you know, you talk, when you hear the old African proverb and like, you can get really drawn in by it, but don't be disillusioned by what it really is. Yeah. Thank you, man. I, again, I appreciate your scholarship, and uh, I'd love to wrap with you after this because I got—I'm just—I'm intrigued by what you're doing. Thank you for this. This is needed. Thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate. I love to, love to. I've been listening to you talk, Doc Rob, man. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we love to chop it up with you. Looking straight the tape, bringing people to. <laughs> Doc Rob talks that shit, even though he don't think he can say shit on the show. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I'm gonna be—I'm gonna be his interpreter. He meant to say, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker, y'all ain't gonna be out here on this internet talking shit now. Nickel. We can talk shit too. <laughs> well, you know, you know something? One Not thing wrong. that's interesting, I mean, we have we have two educators in the house with us, okay? So you know what? Uh I actually kind of want to hear answer from both of you on this, okay? Uh, what do you feel your role is in shaping the uh, next generation of creative minds? It, it, it's, it's a, it's a big part of what I believe I need to be doing. Um, part of that is there's been a kind of an ongoing conversation. I know I had it. And the more I talk with folks who are in my peer group and talk with some folks who are younger, I find that I, I didn't have, I wasn't the only person with the experience is that, being raised and educated and like, especially in community work by elders who are still here and being really happy about the wisdom they pass down, but still feeling a tug of war over whose responsibility it is to be at the forefront of the work. And so um, that's, caused, that's caused some fracturing where some folks have pulled away um, from being connected into our, to our foundation because of that. So, I feel it's really important for me to be active and not only hands-on mentoring folks, but creating spaces where folks can find mentorship and be connected uh, so that we can kind of provide that, 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 that resource. 
if if we're going to have the expectations that we have for what they create and what they say and how they move, then we've got to provide a space where they learn what that's really like. And we got to provide a space they can come back to where they can stay grounded. Are they going to be pulled away by the powers that be? They're going to get things dangled in front of them. And charismatic leadership is real. And everything you can gain from it is real. And it can also have tragic results. And what they'll find out is what many other folks have found out is if you get pulled far away from the far away enough, uh, folks will let you go. <laughs> and then you become you become a story of, of everything going wrong. So we gotta we gotta hold these spaces for them to be able to come back home and remember what it is. So that's 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 part of what I do. If I can't put my hands on you, then I'm gonna try to hold some spaces where you can plug back in and remember what it is and why you do what you do. Yep. I'm a co-sign on what he said. Um, everything that he said is spot on. I think the key thing is that what I do, or I try to do, is I want to make sure that it's, we want to make sure that you can, that you can speak both languages, if you will. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that you can code switch and code mix when you have to. I, I am not as concerned with your ability to, let's say, recite something to me in iambic pentameter or give me something that is in MLA APA style exclusively. I want to meet you where you are, and I want to actually take a look at this, how you communicate in it's a you know in a TikTok or in Twitter or in Instagram and how we use memes to communicate and how we can use that to be active. I want to make sure that you know my role as a scholar or academic is not to one to to push or continue to perpetuate the norm. I want them to tell me what their norm is going to be and I want to be a partner in success. So I think that a large part of constantly that, changing. Yeah. And I think we, I mean, I'll be honest with you at an HBCU, I think we have to really redefine what that means. I shouldn't mean, it should not mean because I'm going to an HBCU that I can go ahead and do Jim Crow work. Hell motherfucking no. It means you don't go ahead and say, I I didn't even interpret at that time. No, what it means though. (laughs) (laughs) And it does not mean homecoming either all the time. It means we are going to make a way there's no way and we're going to show you how to we're going to give you what they call what's the word the uh, god I escaped my, oh god and the word is resiliency we're going mm-hmm. to teach you resiliency in history we're going to give you all that and make you not just feel proud but also make you be unapologetic for being who you are and where you came from and make sure that that you are using the powers that we have given you, not just for good, but also to uplift and lift as we climb. Yep. So I think yep. that, you know, yep. I appreciate what this man is doing. I mean, we need more brothers like you in the academic space. Yep. And um, Hip Hop Mom here, just resounding on what these two scholars said, um, Doc Rob, especially because my mom, like, I don't know if you heard me say this before, but we ain't had no white nothing in my house. She always made me proud of this brown skin. Like she would buy before there were black Santa Clauses available. She would buy a white one and paint it before I even put my eyes on it. So in my role as a mother of children in this culture is exposure, exposure to everything that I could possibly get my hands on for them. And then not just exposure, but monitoring their reaction and being here to answer questions and being here to give them that bit of skepticism that you need as a black person that's 
not only immersed in your culture, but part of a general overall society. So they have friends of all different races, creeds, colors, but they're still in their heart going to fight the fight for a black man. Like, and that's because that's what they're going to be. Like, why would you fight a fight for somebody that you're not going to be first off? So my role as a parent, especially here lately, since they've, you know, they're 17, 18 and 18. So making sure that they are exposed to all of this stuff and then shaping, helping, not shaping, not telling them what to do, but helping to shape their ideal about how they move forward in society. I don't want to, to, to mold them in such a way that they can't be compatible in a fortune 500 company. If that's what they want to do. I don't want to mold them in such a way that they don't want to be entrepreneurs. If that's what they want to do. So my job is to expose them to all of these things and give them the tools that they need to be whatever in this, this current society, this current society is way different from what I grew up in way different from what my parents grew up in. Right. You have social media, you have like, it's like the two combined, like, and plus some, you have this ability to proliferate all this bullshit on social media and then still have Jim Crow type white people in your face on a daily basis or that frequent your job or that work with you or, you know, so it's a new fucking world, yo. Um, But that again, exposure is my thing. I want to expose them to every possible thing that I can while they're under my roof and then help mold their responses, help mold their ideals around whatever that experience is. Uh, Tigo, you're you muted, man. dude. You're, you're I, mean, muted. I believe that we all want to do those things. Um, my mother did the same thing. She took us, you know, house from Chavis Height. That's the projects, if you don't know. Um, we would go on camping trips. We would go to DC. We would go, you know what I'm saying? I was in the hood, but I was going to a whole Catholic school. I was, you know, she, she, she saw better and wanted better. And uh, there's, another, there's a lot of families that want the same, but they're really just hard and stuck in a situation that they can't do so. They can't do that. And, you know, uh, with this, information age that we have it's amazing that we have people carrying around these thousand dollar phones you know and just using them to take pictures and using them to look at their statuses and and to get their you know their memes and all this other stuff you know what i'm saying so i have a joke that says you know i really really hate it when my when my camera rings you feel me because that's what it basically is but you have to realize this the thing that we have in our hand, dude, if you look at the back in the days when they shot rockets in outer space, man in the moon, you know, computers, like those big, huge computers, like, you know what I'm saying? That, that, wasn't, even, that wasn't even a gig, dude. That was just, you know what I'm saying? A whole room of those big computers to have the, you know what I'm saying? To have just one gig and you have that power with inside your, on your phone, in your, you know what I'm saying, in your hand. How do we scare these people from entertainment into, you know, really using this thing to its full 
you know what I'm saying, capacity. And that's why I love the Blackberry. When I had a Blackberry, it was fine because it reminded me of working. It was, a, it was, you know what I'm saying? It was one of those phones that, you know, my, my calendar was here. You know what I'm saying? I had everything. It was business. It wasn't in the play play. You know what I'm saying? Screen was too small. You really couldn't see pictures anyway. So, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it was for business. And when do we start using our phones per se? You know what I'm saying? Dude, I have a Note 20, dude. The things that I could do on this thing is phenomenal. But I very, very, I have not scratched the fucking surface of this. Yeah, thing. nobody has of you their phone. And nobody really gets down and they just wait around. Okay, well, this one has like 17 cameras in the back and it gives me a hologram picture of Tupac on my shoulder. So, you know what I'm saying? So, it's Shit is crazy. So how? So so I'm saying this, uh, Jay. How do we get the people to look at their devices more so than for entertainment values? Um, to steer them in the way of, hey, I can really make money doing this, you know? Because while you're on your phone, there's nothing that you can't swipe around and see. You got some stocks popping on. There's nothing the way that you can go about and just see that you got, you know. The, you know, scroll by just, just just as much as you're interested in seeing the damn Kardashians, you should be damn like, yo, dude, did y'all see what the fuck happened with fucking GameStop? Oh, shit. I have some stock in that. Bloom. You feel me? How do we get though? How do how do we bring our people into that realm, into that, into that, you know what I'm saying? Into that, into that. Well, let me, can I tell a story real quick? So um, I was doing some research. And one of the things that stuck out to me is I came across a story about a journalist um, having a conversation with a White House staffer. And this story blew my mind because the journalist said that the White House staffer told him, look, this is the way this is. We believe we're shapers of reality. And what's going to happen is, is that we're going to shape it. We're going to we're going to we're going to put forth the reality. You're going to study it. You're going to pick it apart as judiciously as you are. And by the time you will have done that and came to whatever conclusion you came to, we're just going to create a new one. And that is why you will always be behind. And that blew my mind at both the arrogance of it, but also the reality of it. it and so what, what that brought to mind is, is that to end the answer to Tico's question is the, what we, we have to kind of get out of, the desire for an answer and a value of process because, and I'm lucky, you know, even though I find myself facing the same thing, I'm in a discipline that requires you to focus on in anything craft related, whether it's art or, or tra any trade, anything that focus on that you have to focus on craft keeps you aware of process. Um, but our world is about answers so much so that people charge you a lot of money to give you answers, whether they're applicable to your life or not. And, but the process is what allows you. So process says this device I have allows me to explore. The answer says this device allows me to do these things and this is what everybody else is doing. So I'm going to learn how to do this with this device. If we take away, pro and then what happens is, is we have people who know how much, how, how, how capable the phone is. And so they're like, well, you only know how to do three things. It does 25. So I'm going to say, I'm going to, if you, if you give me $295 in eight hours of your time, I'll teach you how to do two more things. 
And it's like, now you can figure this out on your own, but you're not. So pay me and I'm going to sell it to you. And then I'm not going to tell you how I figured it out. And I'm, and we're just going to keep moving like that. But that process is so important um, because once you figure out how to discover and uncover and dig and like pick apart, you can do it for anything. And you become curious again, which means you're going to want to do it for everything yeah. because you know that there's something deeper to whatever you experience. And the powers that be understand that. And they believe that they're always going to be ahead because nobody's asking the right questions. But what scares me with this is what happens if there's an EMP? What -hmm. happens if all of a sudden some mastermind knocks off Google? Mm -hmm. Does that mean now that our intelligence quotient has dropped? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Need to go back. That means everybody go back to those encyclopedias from the 19th. Because I'm saying, I'm sorry, because, because listen, as a society, okay, a hundred years from now, maybe two hundred years from now, when they go back and they and, and they're digging over the rubble of, of what used to be us, okay, they're not going to find that much information about us because we put so much stuff digitally. So In Google, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So if everything is digitally, our pictures, our our thoughts. Our, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, our videos of what yep. we were, what we do. You know what I'm saying? It used to be a time when, you know what I'm saying, somebody would see a show, some a ballet, and they were like, wow, that's beautiful. And I, I'm a fucking sculptor. Let me go back. I remember seeing this, and I'll sculpt this piece. I remember that piece. You feel me? So that's a hard piece. That It's, it's tangible. There's not too much tangible things that we mm-hmm. have, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, now that tells us of who we are. And if the data that is here that does that we have that 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 is here, I mean, literally all they would say is that there is a whole bunch of motherfuckers who needed weaves and fucking their dicks didn't work. So, but Tico, but Tico, but Tico, but Tico. Now, but you got. I, I think about it like this. Now, two hundred years from now, doesn't the style of digging change? True. You feel me? You Dude, feel true. me? You got to dig dirt. You got to dig dirt. How about you mean? What do you mean? No, no. Think about it. 200, 200 years from now. One, WandaVision, episode four. 200 years from now, that digging isn't through dirt. It's through digital. It's through data. Okay? So at that, so at that time, time and moment, it's the same thing. It's just, it's just digging on a different plane and getting yeah. the same information. But even with that information... Even with that information, let's just say what 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 the professor says, you know what I'm saying, or just you know what I'm saying, and boom, EMP just pops off, and we lose some data. So that means that even what, in that, what's a what's a what's an EMP, you guys? You know what I'm saying? Electromagnetic pulse. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay. So if it, if it pops off and you know and, and it shocks, that means that we don't have the data. So that just means like okay, uh, the the uh, white man came and picked up uh, Africans. From, from from their country, and then all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying, Grandmaster Flash was making, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? You have this gap, you have this gap. I'm just saying, you have this gap that doesn't really be there, like, you know what I'm saying? Oh my God, we took these Africans from Africa, and all of a sudden, they just came and made hip-hop. You feel me? Diggo, so, <laughs> before, before you go any further, okay? We have a guest, and I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole with a guest, because I see that rabbit hole coming. 
big time. Okay. But I, I must not, I, I must say about that is that that is one thing that I try to also instill in my children. Like we're having a conversation and someone has a question and they all whip out their phones for Google. No, 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 no. Put them away. Let's talk about it. Let's like, let's, let's be intelligent about it without the internet. Cause it just because you can Google something and read it and recite it from Google does not make you intelligent. Let's think about these things. I know you've been exposed to this. Like if something we, we have had, no exposure to okay go ahead and google it but i'm sure that through their travels and through my travels in life we we've all had experience in this particular thing that we may be talking about we're not going to ask google we're going to talk about it and actually have a conversation about it and uh yeah so we don't do we don't disappear our brains don't disappear but it's blacks but it's blacks you know what we do, blacks communicate, but we communicate by talking to one another, in a sense. And 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 I believe that we can't get away from that. And and I believe that during this pandemic, it has brought us closer digitally. But mm-hmm. being there, you know what I'm saying, you know, catching that energy, that vibe from someone, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it is D when you're out there doing poetry, you know what I'm saying, and you. You, you you feel the difference when you're out here and you and you spitting your poems, you know what I'm saying? You spitting your, your your joints and 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 it's, it's digitally and you can't feel the the the, the, oh, you know, mm-hmm. the connecting. Oh, definitely, the definitely. Call response. Call yeah. response. Yeah, Ooh. exactly. Ooh. So so it's it's just like yo. So but at the same token, if anything happens like that, and our and our, it, our history will always be told because as we always tell stories. The griot. Uncle, it could be the uncle that's that's working on cars. He'll tell you know what I'm saying. It's a, we we always keep stories going. But but we have to begin to start writing them down. That's the problem. If we right. don't begin to write them down, eventually, let's say on God paper forbid, or in wor- word. Both paper. I mean, we need to put them where. See, here's the thing. The, one of the things we talk about in scholarship is like, how do we know that you've been contributing to scholarship if we don't see your stuff in print? So anytime I publish or if I'm happy, I got a publication, that means I'm, so it's almost like you're there, you're there. And so again, if you go back to what the late Beverly Washington Jones said, history is always written by the perspective of the winners. So we have this oral history, which I'm appreciative, very appreciative of, but we're looking now at the people like, no relation, Mark Robinson, who is talking about social studies and trying to rewrite history so it appeases or it takes away the sting of people. Mm-hmm. So we have to begin to start writing our things down and learning how to write them down. And if we have to write them down so that we understand it or reinvent our writing, fine. But the idea is, if I go back to the idea that if you have a computer guru who can hijack the internet, and hint, hint, please clear up my student loans. Um <laughs> Please go ahead and do that. But the key is they do that, then that stuff can be erased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And I mean, could good point because could you imagine what a different world it would be if we had like a myriad of firsthand written accounts of blacks and slavery in the United States? I mean, there are some and they're retrospective of those that have done interviews with former slaves not that many years ago but i'm talking about like the way that 
everyone, hey, I ate a bacon sandwich this morning and they posted on the internet. Like, if we had that kind of real-time account from those that were chatteled by this country, what a different world it would be. Because those experiences, I think, written would have resounded and actually, because right now they think we just making shit up for the most part, right? They think it's not that bad, but as as evidenced by this today's news about this fucking police chief that said they got food and clothes and water and shit. But I, I think if we had real life and real life accounts, real time accounts, it would be different. Well, see, so here's so here's the thing. Here's my here's I'm glad you brought that up. So here, here's another thing that that's really heavy. That's always that's I'm always about is what. Here's why we need to value artists. Right. Not value art, because what ends up happening is when you value art and don't value artists, it becomes a commodity and it also becomes a filter, which means it plays back into whiteness. But when you value artists and you realize uh, then what happens is, is all of the black faces and all of the black artists who are responsible for creating art become valued and then their process becomes valued. Here's the other reason is that everything you everything we've just been saying is the reason why I wrote a book and why I was encouraged to start writing books because it was like, if you don't tell your story, somebody's going to tell it for you. Um, but the other thing is, is that if I can write these stories, then what Keisha is saying means that at some point in time we had, you know, like how many stories are out there that we never got to read. It doesn't mean they weren't written. It means that they never got the light of day. They're still sitting. These papers are still sitting somewhere. They're in somebody's basement. They're hidden. If they don't make it to some institution because a scholar decided to look for them, or if they don't get picked up by a museum when all of the fam when all of the members of the family die and it gets passed over to the family, they're still sitting. There has to be a gateway. And there is a and if you read even especially if you read, if you start with a young black artist and look at what they're talking about and work backwards, you're going to continue to find, you're going to find a household that where there was nothing, no black anything. Okay. Well then where did that perspective come from? And then look around and see what books and what albums are in that household. And if you keep working back, what you're going to find is that there's a legacy of artifacts and in those artifacts, we're going to find the stories. And if everything else goes to hell, the one thing I do know, is that there is a level of cultural, there's gonna be a level of information that is held within black families just based off of the artifacts that we hold on to. Yep. Um, we don't really have that a whole lot. I, I mean, I'm, I frequent Antiques Roadshow. I'm a geek. But um, the, the, the stuff that comes through there that's passed down generation over generation, um, there's not a whole lot of us on there. It's not a whole lot of our our artifacts. And when I went to the um, African American Cultural, the Smithsonian Museum, um, the shit that's there is amazing. Like there is this one piece that always, anytime I think about that museum, stands out to me. It is a burlap sack that, um. Uh, a mother who was a slave prepared for her daughter who was soon to be a slave. She was a becoming of age and it was like a, a care package basically. So she put stuff in the sack, but on the sack, she wrote 
her wishes, wants, and advice for her daughter, who was soon to be a slave. Like, yo, I stood at that thing and cried for like 10 minutes. But um, we don't really have that type of shit in, in in our lexicon. I don't know why, but it is... It's imperative. I mean, it's imperative, right? There, those things yeah. exist, and those stories exist. And you, uh, this, the, the shows that I look at, the white people tell, well, this is my father's 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 sword from whatever war he he fought in, and this is our legacy. And actually, the the provenance for those things increase the value. So not only are we are we continuing on stories that are important to our culture, but we're also building wealth in that same, like same vein. Shit's crazy. yo. like y'all got to study white people, but black people are scared of the commodification. And so a lot of those things are held, held because of the way society is. And they're afraid that we won't get to determine what happens to them. If we let people know they're available. Mm-hmm. So we've got to start, we got to think about who goes out asking for these things because y'all know how it is. The wrong person come by the house and nobody getting told nothing. <laughs> not in our right. communities. Right, right, not right. Not with our elders. Right. Um, so that yeah, that's a good point because, you know, in talking to some of the folks who work with the museum, who goes and asks for those pieces is really important to Black families holding on to those things. Right. Because they're not going to give them up to anybody. But also right, on the other we, end we, of we that. Be eating, I'm sorry, because we should be eating uh, Crunchy uh, Carver. You feel me? <laughs> but also on the, other, uh, on the other end of that is our, un, our education on wealth and what wealth means, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of that shit has been sold. Like mm-hmm. a yes. lot of it has been sold for cash and exists somewhere outside of our, our community. Um, it just is what it is. And we don't, we don't understand really. And we haven't been educated on and like, and I'm not saying this as an admonishment, but we're, we're not educated on what wealth means as a, as a community. We're just not. And, and, but we're babies in this community, actually like, Black wealth is new. Well, yeah. let's think about that though, because when you think about that, and I'm, I'm no, I'm sorry, I don't want to. I just want to say, I think the idea also though goes back to generational wealth, which we don't have now. Yep. I can tell you from my own family that we had a lot of land. My grandparents, my great great grandparents, rather, had a lot of land in Southern Virginia. <laughs> but when you don't, but the thing is, is that you had another generation that let's just sell the land. You never sell land, never. And I think the key is, is that black folk back in the time before time rarely were, le- they rarely owned land. And I think when you begin to think about what, you know, what true wealth is, we have to start thinking about generational wealth. Unfortunately, yep. unfortunately, yep. we have generational poverty. Yep. And just generational disenfranchisement. And I think yep. if we begin to start talking about ways to build that wealth pool, I think we can then be in a position to have multi-generational wealth. I don't know if we'll agree with the Beyonce's, we'll agree with the Oprah's. Yep. It requires a lot of sacrifice, though. It requires a lot of sacrifice. Exactly. But it it all goes to, like you said, your family had a lot of land back in the day. Okay? Your great, great, 
great grandfather knew that land was power. He knew what it was. He knew that, hey, if I can't, if this land is big enough for my family to live on, everybody could buy, build a house on this land and have somewhere to stay. But the gen next generation sees the city. They go into the city to have fun. They see, oh shit, city life. Mm -hmm. This is the life mm -hmm. I want to leave. Damn you Amish. You think Green Acres and shit. So, <laughs> you know, so we get to this city life. Man, I don't want to go back down there and fucking damn mind these fields with my fucking damn. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Then they they do it till they hurt and they they broken down. They can't do no more. Yeah, but that's no, Tico. That's the that's the lack of yeah. education because education, exactly. it's because you don't want to live there. Doesn't mean you can't still you can't. keep the commodity, no, right? No, no, that, no. That, look, no, Tico. That's great, okay? Because uh, I mean, it brings up something to sign that I actually wanted to mention. Wanted to circle back to as well as we talked. You know, as you talk about the modern American South, and it's funny that Tico mentions that, okay? Because in your description of the modern American South, you are talking. You know, you are talking about the uh, when you look at the modern American South, you're looking at the. Uh, the period from the civil rights movement up, okay? But then when you look at the uh, the uh, period prior to the civil rights movement, and the one thing that you saw was the migration from the south to the north, okay? And just to circle back a little bit here, okay? As you you know, as you talk and describe about the uh, about the uh, American modern south, what effect has reverse migration had on building the modern American South? So that's a, um, that's a really good question because <laughs> there's a couple of things. One is that in some ways um, it's good because we've seen, we've seen black folks come back. Um, a lot of it is financial. A lot of it is about, you know, the, the, what they can gain and what they can get back to the fact that their money stretches further here, what they can invest in. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a dance though, because sometimes they contribute to uh, the gentrification and the disenfranchisement of areas they move back into. Uh, also, sometimes they move back here and we don't know they're here. So what we have is we have the, we have, a growth in the capacity in terms of black communities, but not access because folks are still tied to other parts of the country because that's where they make their money and that's where their networks are. I've, it's amazing how many times I am across the country and someone is like, where you at? Oh, well, do y'all know, or have y'all, do y'all know that such and such well-known, whatever, whatever, just, just moved and bought a house somewhere down there. And I'm like, no, they're not here making themselves available. They're not here. They're not here to let us know that experience and that wealth and that knowledge is in our backyard. What they did was they came, bought a nice piece of property, invested here and everything. And, and the benefit of what they're doing is still out in the rest of the. And that's that's always a point of tension for me because um, that reverse migration ends up being more transactional than what it could be in terms of like y'all are coming back down here. We're here. We welcome y'all with open arms, but like, come on back and like really make yourself available and, and a part of what's going on here. And it happens, but there are just so many people who have come back here over the years who have not integrated themselves back into the South in any real way. 
Do you yeah, think that it dilutes? Do you think that it dilutes the the, uh, the living experience of being here? Because you know, once once you once you're living in a place for so long, you like you just said, you tend to take these 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 um, tendencies back with you wherever you go. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, when I moved up to New York, I was from North Carolina. I'm from North Carolina. When I moved up there, it was a weird experience for me. I'm so used to saying, "Hey, how you doing?" You bump into somebody, you say, excuse me. You know what I'm saying? When I was up in there, I was bumping folks, going through the house. My you don't talk to them people. My bad. You know what I'm saying? That, but that was me. That was me. That was me being me, Southern Tico. You feel me? And then my cousin was like, dude, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Niggas, just check, they checking their pockets because you talking to them. They tell me, you ain't steal their wallets or something like that. Don't be talking to folks. You know what I'm saying? So I had to change my whole mind state, you know? So when you like it, like, when you have a mind state of, of, of being upstate, and I and Perry can 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 uh can uh, uh relate to that, uh mm-hmm. being from upstate and then coming down south, exactly having to, change, having to have to change your mind state because if you know it was nothing I hate to say it, but it was nothing for fights to break out in high school when a dude came from New York or upstate or something mm-hmm. that because he was from upstate. He was the shit. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And vice versa. Oh, girl, he from New York. Pretty boys get beat down. But my dad talks about that same thing all the time. Like, he oh, grew okay. up in Southeast D.C. and then moved to North Carolina in 79 or 80. And having to kind of change his mindset of, ain't nobody out to get you all the time. Right. Because that's basically what y'all are talking about. Like, but nobody's that, out to get diluted, you all the time. Diluted, but, but, but that whole reverse migration but does that dilute ourselves because number one you have to realize if it's one thing that we do is we accommodate folks <laughs> you know what i'm saying and when folks is not happy we tend to make him make laws or make things to make them happy i've seen it in education i've seen it in you know what i'm saying it just in things in general and that, that goes on around here so do you think that that sort of dilutes what it is that we are I, I think so. I think and I think that that adjustment is what it is, what really it, it, what really, really bothers me is because if they're if they're not, if we don't see them, but they're here, don't be, they're definitely their money's here. And, and there are certain folks who know they're here. And so they're they're active behind these doors and in these rooms. And unless you're in there with them, you don't realize these folks are active and you don't know what they're active at. And, and you know, and there's no accountability. Um, and so, it, and so there are adjustments being made, but who are they being made for? Right. And it also, and if, and if the folks who made the adjustments are able to point to black faces, well, hold on, but them folks, like, I don't know who that is just cause they black don't make it. Okay. I don't know who they, who, where them people, where them folks come from. And so that causes a problem, but it goes back to this thing of, there was a period of time where when you moved, Folks knew you moved, and if you moved, there was a call, phone call. Like we, there's an interconnectivity that 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 we have lost uh, in certain spaces that I feel needs to be restored. Which is crazy because we're so much more connected connected on social media. But then, like you say, when you move out of your house, your neighbors like whatever. You move into a new house in a new neighborhood. Your neighbors are like whatever. <laughs> Like I actually had to reach out. Like I reached out and that's just what I'm used to doing. Right. My neighbors on either side of my house. 
once since moved away, he was crazy. But the, the, the one that remains, like I had a water leak in my front yard a couple of weeks ago. And she like, I don't, she, we exchanged phone numbers or whatever, but she'd been over to my house. Like she came to my housewarming party and all that stuff. But we like, we say, Hey, when we're walking our dogs, but she found me on Facebook and was like, yo, bitch, your water's leaking out your front yard. And I would not like, you know, I just, we don't have that community sense of community in a lot of places. Um, a lot of places people don't know their neighbors. Um, you may know the person that lives next door to you or in, on the other side. But other than that, like you don't know them people. I blame and you don't look, trust look, those people. I, I blame, I blame yeah. it on Walkmans. I blame it on Walkmans. For the simple fact that, you know what I'm saying? Back in the days, we listen to music. When everybody had boom boxes, you could hear the music. And, Yo, dude, what is that he rocking? Oh, that's that LL word? You know what I'm saying? Even in the car, when people drove, drove by, they had booming systems. What? You hear that EPMD? What? That's hot. Headphones. When you put headphones on, then I can hear just, I'm hearing what I want to hear. You can't hear what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. Which goes back down to iPhone, iPad, I this, I that. Mine, 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 mine. I'm a I, 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 this is me. Mm-hmm. This is me. I, you know what I'm saying? You can't get into my, this is my realm of shit. So I can't share that stuff with you. And it's not like it's like that. And I believe also that, you know, the megahertz of energy that are being spewed out digitally is 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 is, is highly more toxic than the than than the algorithm or, or analog way of talking to people. You know what I'm saying? Digital and analog fucking ways of I'm talking shit. Yeah, actually, and actually, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, I mean, before you know, our play, our playlist used to be shared, you know, outward. Okay, and now right. we keep our playlist inward. Right. Speaking of playlist, okay, okay. So, Desan, I'll go ahead and ask, because uh, you know, we had this conversation when the last time you were on Straight to Tape. What's on your playlist right now, yo? Wow. So yeah. Um. Let's see. What am I listening to? Uh. It, it, they're, they're moods. So like when I want to, when I want like uh, mayhem and, and all kinds of debauchery, it's like uh, Griselda, 38 Special. Uh, oh, 38 special. Oh, did you do that on purpose? Yeah, we <laughs> Rock did, Marciata. Did you, did you do that on purpose? <laughs> I wanted, did you do that shit on purpose? No, no, of course not. No, nah, it's, uh, you know, like there's a, there's, there's that, that gritty, you know, Sean P is one of my favorite rappers. So I, every once in a while, I just need some ridiculousness, and and they feed it. Um, yeah. I, I was a bit, I'm a big Casanova Two X fan, like like that that some of that New York drill. Um, and then you know, um, uh, Sampa the Great, you know, I, I love the last project she dropped. Um, of course, check the um, the the I've, I've been listening uh, to the. The, of course, the Nas and uh, the the last Jada. Um, uh, I wasn't that big of a fan of the Ti or the Jeezy. Um, yeah, do I? But um, you know, just and just trying to check some new heads. I'm, I'm loving. Um, you know, I'm loving. Uh, you know, Smino and, and 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 you know, there's just a lot of good stuff that I'm listening to. I'm trying to find some R&B folks, some new R&B folks I can really get into. They all seem to sound the same, but I'm trying. 
um, it's been a hard, hard journey, but I keep listening for joints. Um, I think Khalid has some, some, you know, some things that, some joints that I like, but I'm, I'm hard. The R&B thing is sticky. I can find hip hop, hip hop artists I like, but the R&B thing is really hurting my soul. I'm not finding anybody I'm really, really rocking with. It's okay. Luckily, there's still old R&B you can listen to. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, look, man. Beautiful conversation, man. I do thank you for coming through. Tell the people oh, where they oh, can oh, find oh, you. What, you what, what, what? What? Hold on, man. Before you do that, yo. Son, man, last time you came on. Oh, damn. I don't even know if you remember. I said, you know what I'm saying? I was going to take you out. We was going to we was going we was going to poet battle. And I got my I got my poem right here. It's real short and sweet. Okay. 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 And it's coming. All right. All right. And then I got had to get myself together. I kicked my shoes off. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead now. Hold on. Kick my shit off like Eric Benet. Hold on. Don't go full Eric Benet now. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. I, I, I need it. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> My cerebral cortex collects mad text. Suicide dialogue, kamikaze. I pet pound puppies to calm my mind sight. Shit. I'm known to go to open mics and start fist fights. Holy Christ. Thank you. Very much. That was deep. Woo, I, tell you, I tell you. I tell you. Yeah, that was that was that was yeah. That was that was that was mad deep. Tico that was yeah. That was, Sometimes I hate being on this show. I hate being on this show. What? Pound puppies? Yeah, went back on. Yeah, he got me with the pound puppies. Yeah. Anytime you put pound puppies in a rhyme, I mean, bro, in 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 a poem, in a rap. You're the well, that alliteration, bro. Up, but I wanted to let you know there's layers to this game. You know what I'm saying? It was my that I, you know, I, I think. So therefore, I am. Hey, oh, so therefore, I am. Wow. Hey, at, hey, the time, at the same time, with this lyrical lashing that I was coming. I pound puppies. I mean, I, not pound puppies. That sounded nasty as shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounded, that sounded black mirrorish yeah. as hell. Uh, uh, puppies. Uh, Y'all take that Fifty Shades of Grey wherever you want to. So I do have to ask, Design, uh, since. <sighs> Damn it, since Tico was bold enough. No! Please, please tell me you no! have something to counter it. Please, please. Because uh, I can't just end it with just that. For real. <laughs> of course, of course. I have no yes. problems. Yo, spit us. Hey, hey, Cookie Monster. Spit us a poem. Spit us a poem. Tell him poems he be telling your friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, real quick, real quick, real quick. Let's let's do something. This let's do let's do this right here. All right. Um, so real quick, they act like the sunshine different down home, like the dirt too dark for repentance, like civilized stopping the Mason Dixon. They say guilt dense as fog east of the Mississippi. Say it show sound like selective amnesia around here. So you can still smell the ash in the air. Plantation crosses, hay trash. Pit cookers, stump holes, steals, churches, but don't we walk like resilience in spite of smell 
smell like something special, smile like belief in the up on high, laugh like cotton was tickling the field, hollers out of us. Each house is a hymnal down here. Each penny colored cheek is a joyful noise. You know, the kind of noose is supposed to silence. Uh. Down here is a boot camp for the forgotten mud trudge, weeds pulled, dirt dominated. We know planting, tilling, picking, feeding, feasting. We know ain't no tomorrow better realized than by hard work and redemption. We know that backwoods ain't the opposite of progress, that dirt roads don't mean deserted, that hospitality ain't a subtle surrender down home. We know they see us as natural disaster. I say, ain't we calm in the eye of a hurricane? Ain't we American dreams, guilty conscience? Ain't we the best example of make something out of nothing to wade in the water and swing low? Ain't we a blues lick in a second line reverie? Ain't we joyful noise on Sundays? Ain't we chipping circuited genius from Gulf to the Great Lakes? Ain't we spread on table? Ain't we the clothes on your back? Ain't we the yesterday you want to forget and the tomorrow you can't make without us? Ain't we magic? Ain't we here? Ain't we gonna be here? Ain't we, ain't we life, love, joy, overcoming glory? Glory, hallelujah. Ain't we an amen? Ain't we? I need a t-shirt. And the mic is officially dropped. Damn. Tico, go on and remove yourself from the stream, dog. Yeah, yeah. Right now, right now. Okay. I know we was doing. I know we was doing no book learning. I know. You brought out the pal puppies. I had to do something. You know what I'm saying? Pal puppies. I know we book learning. Dang. Look, straight to tape has officially officially been blessed uh look you can catch my man at designohanu.com yeah okay uh definitely check out the book shackle freedom all right check out anything this brother is doing okay because we happy to have him here we happy you came through floated put it down with us and joined our conversation you know you family you welcome back at any time ladies and gentlemen uh Give a round of applause for the brother Desana Hani. Thank you. My Thank soul you. has been fed today. That's what it is. That's what it is. In love. In love. High School in the Build. In love. High School in the Build. Check y'all later. All right. <laughs> Woo, ladies and gentlemen, that was hot. That was hot. Yo, Tico. Yes. Look, man. I know. Look, I know you got housed in that uh, in, in that uh, in that battle, okay? But yo, just be proud that you stepped up to uh, the shit. Uh, do you have it something weird over. for us today? It ain't over. It ain't, look, let me tell you. First of all, it ain't over. You know what I'm saying? Okay. My, my, oh, okay. How oh, you keep thinking? Right. You, 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 you got anything weird for us today? You yeah. got anything weird for us today? Yeah, just go yeah. and get it. Get yeah, okay, it. okay. All right, T ladies and gentlemen, it's Tigo's Theater of Weird, Weird, weird. And, and, and it's weird. weird. All right, let's go. Because he's it's weird. Let's go. He's weird. Shit's weird. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Go Be ahead. weird, man. Go ahead. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> evidently during this time of pandemic, um, if you are booed up laid up shacked up you have to do something in order to break the monotony of looking at that person all the damn time so to spice up this relationship a lady in canada she was fined (laughs) she was fined for breaking covid curfew by walking her husband on a leash Oh, 
oh, in wow. the streets. Sounds interesting. Tell me mm. more. So she was stopped and uh, she was claiming that her partner was, in fact, a dog. According to uh, oh, never mind. Police said, never mind. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold up, hold up, hold up. So, her husband was an actual, physical, literal, uh, four-legged dog. Yeah. No, her husband was a man who embodied the spirit of a dog. Oh, hell. Oh, God. It, 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 we're not talking Furbies here. We're talking at just a, just dog spirit. Well, I mean, there's no picture here, but evidently the find must have been some kind of crazy because they were fined, like, uh, I guess in Canadian money, that's like $1,546. So Man, evidently he must have... Uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Past curfew. He was pretending to be a dog. dog. The husband was pretending to be a dog. You know what I'm saying? It all depends. You know, if if he stayed in the house, if they stayed in the condo, you know, she could have got away with I was just, you know, taking my husband out to go pee. You know? um, Hey, babe, I got to go pee. Why don't you just go to the bathroom? I mean, I got to go pee. Okay, let me get the leash. And she took his ass on a walk. And they got caught after curfew. Or, or, you know, because I'm sitting up and thinking, you know, of course, I'm sitting up and thinking, you know, did she forget a pooper scooper? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I'm thinking about the fine here, you know, so, you know. Hey, you don't want to catch that because Rob is uncomfortable. Rob Rob is uncomfortable. (sighs) So, you know. Oh, shit, yeah. Yay. I keep asking for my segment to come before this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. we need a verse. We need a verse. We damn sure need a verse. Key, save us, please. All right. So um, one thing I learned a long time ago, but I actually saw it. In, you know how you know something, but when you see it in writing, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's real. So as a, as, a, as a friend of friends, um, when you choose your friends, they play different roles for you. So you may have the friend that you go to to talk about this. You may have the friend that you ha- go to to talk about that. You may have the friend. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a couple of friends that I can talk to anything about, but that's not always the case for all of the friends that you or I have. But it is important to make sure that you reciprocate, right? So if you want to vent to your friends and allow them to vent to you. Um, but additional to that, it is important that you ask, am I just listening or am I problem solving? One thing I learned a long time ago in couples therapy, a long time ago when I was actually a couple, was that some people, and this actually is a very simple thing and it just never crossed my mind because of how my brain is wired. But sometimes people just want to vent. They don't want you to solve their problems. They don't want your advice. They just want to vent. They just want to talk about bullshit that's going on. And that's their mechanism for kind of a kickstart to resolve the shit that's going on in their lives. So as a problem solver, which a lot of us are, like if I hear a problem, my brain's instantly like, 
figuring out ways to solve the issues that I'm hearing. But sometimes the people that you're talking to and your friends in your life, they don't want to hear that. They just want you to listen. So a lot of the things that are going on in life right now, just listen. Just listen. You don't have to solve it. You don't have to uh, figure out a way to help your friend or whatever. Just listen and apply that to the other portions of your life. We all can come up with solutions to problems, but in order to determine what those solutions are, you actually have to listen. So just shut up and listen. Mm. Shut up and listen, yo. That was beautiful. As a, once again, uh, a beautiful verse from um, from the uh, uh, from the hip hop mom, Keisha with a Y. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, once again, another great episode of Straight to Tape. Remember, you can catch Straight to Tape Sundays, two p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Facebook Live and on Twitch. Audio version of Straight to Tape is available on your favorite podcasting platforms. Follow us on our social media platforms: IG, Twitter. Facebook, Twitch, straight to tape. Just saw we got a new uh, a new follower. Yo, my yo, my brother Kwame Woods. Thank you for coming through. Uh, also, you know, as always, check out our Facebook. I mean, sorry, our YouTube page, uh, S2T Media, uh, for that extended content. Uh, yo, Rob. Hey, yo. Yo, Rob. Yes, sir. You know what to do. Let's show some love to the comment section. That's how we do, man. Hey, listen, man. Shout out to everybody that was in the comments and reacts and all that type of stuff, man. And, um, you know, just hanging out with your favorite podcast. Going to mention a few of you by name. So uh, let's get it started. The homie Jimmy, a.k.a. Jay Berkeley Gold, came through, as always. The big chief, Raj. Thank you, brother. My man Barrett D, also Royce Laws came through. Cherie came through as usual. We had Lee Andrew on the check-in, also Daniel Allen. Candy coming through as usual. We had Amber come through. Hadn't seen her in a couple weeks. Uh, Corey good, Hamilton. Deuce also, Club! Hey, also, Amber! Also, Denise on the check-in. The homie Asim. We also had Von T coming through. What's up, girl? And then the reacts. We had uh, Tanya coming through earlier. We had my man Leonard Suggs, Angela P, Carlita Duran, shout out. We, we saw you um, in the reacts. Thank you, sis. Okay. Uh, Ronnie May. Uh, Anthony Davis, Lena, my man Tyree Robinson, Stella Red, Nisha, Jody James, and Be Absolute Joy. Also on the reacts, also the homie Terrence Muzon. He's been on straight to tape. And uh, Sherry Wilson. Uh, again, shout out to Terrence Muzon and uh, Hip Hop Marvels. Um, thank you for sharing the show, Tiffany Dorsett, my man J. Trey Trevor. And uh, listen, man, again, man, y'all be rocking with us the long way, man. Like y'all be, been staying with us. And, uh, you know, you could have been doing anything on this this Sunday afternoon, but you chilled with us for like the whole two hours, man. We appreciate y'all. And if I missed you, I didn't mean it. We love y'all, man. Thank you for rocking with your favorite podcast. Wow. Yo, uh, look, I'm just going to say one. Uh, yo, thank you for making the birthday special. OK, uh, you know, I, I appreciate it. We appreciate it. And we will come out drinking with me tonight. Uh, I, one, I'm already drinking, and two, already got dinner with the family. So you know, tell yo, yo, tell Jingle I said what's up, right? So yeah, shout uh, out to Jingle. Yeah, yeah. Boo! 
Doc Rob. Look, man. Yes, thank you. Thank you for coming through and sitting in with us, you know, as you do. But look, I need you to I look, I need you to tell the folks, man. Um, um, uh, what you got going on? Oh, well, got a lot of things going on right now, but uh the one thing I want to go ahead and just I guess do a little free pubbing is uh, my students were running our class. We were inspired by your genius straight to tape. And so we have our own podcast. It's a webcast called the Intellectual Soul Food Lunch Buffet. We are kicking off the second season, actually kicking off the second half of the second season this Thursday. Uh, Our first show is going to be called Race the Final Frontier. And it's with myself and our students. They are going to be discussing the issues of diversity, inclusion, all around race, particularly in media and news and politics. So it's a fantastic opportunity for them. I would love to have you guys on my show. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you all. Thank you for the opportunity to just rock it with y'all for these two hours on a Sunday. Yeah, thank appreciate you. For coming. you it's awesome. Thank you. We appreciate you, Doc. Thank yeah. you. No doubt. That's well, look. <laughs> yeah, and look, and we, look, look, and, look, and we and we made a scholars connection today, which is a beautiful thing as well. Awesome. Know? What's oh up? man, oh, that's fantastic! Connections. Fantastic, we know connections. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, oh, also, uh, Royce, thank you, uh, thank you. I, I, I will get that. I will get that cig- cigar soon. So, uh, thank you, because of course, you know, with it is being my birthday, you know, I do have some cigar and bourbon uh, readily near me. Okay. In an ascot. Oh, can I? Sh- yeah, before we go, can I just show off the ascot one more time? Oh please, I, please, please, can I, please. Can do. I be light skinned for a moment before we go? Please, absolutely. The light, the light skin, and the light skinnedness. <laughs> once again, we do embrace <laughs> colorism on straight to tape. We do, absolutely. You ain't being a half ascot about it. We, we half ascot. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Thank you for, uh, you know, thank you for, uh, you know, for allowing us to be your favorite podcast. So, for the comedian, Tigre Gaia. Perry, I just read that there's female aliens just attacking the earth and they're grabbing guys with large dicks. Don't worry, you're good. Um, oh, say I won't be here next week. Uh, for the um, uh, for the fuck you, Tico. For the uh, <laughs> the uh, quintessential hip hop mom, Keisha with a Y. I'm, just go, I'm about to go cook some uh, chicken parts for our uh, Felicia and Karsten. Uh, oh, before we go, before we go, before we go. Felicia, uh, come here. Felicia, come here right now. Shut up. Shut up, Rob. Shut up. Felicia, she already made right an now. appearance, man. No, but she, she, ain't made no, she ain't made no full screen appearance, okay? Oh, here, shut up. Hey, hey up, baby. Okay? Uh, ladies hey, and gentlemen. Sugar. Ladies and gentlemen, this Even is Even though Felicia. she was, didn't you, wasn't your major communications? Yes. She don't really communicate that well. No, I don't. This, this, this is our beloved Felicia. That, yes, that, um, yes, she's yes. the back. She's the backbone of straight to tape. She yes, is. She is. Yes, she is. We did good today love. without you. Yeah. Well, so, the reason why Felicia wasn't on the show today is because she has officially moved to Durham, North Carolina, from yay! 
from Sarasota, Florida. Um, I, I drove 700 miles yesterday to get it done. Within 24 hours, because I love her. Because I love her. Me and Karsten. So we drove the U-Haul truck and another car, and we got it done. So she here. She here. So now that your uh, relocation uh, business is all out in the street, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. You can't even hear. <laughs> no. He can't even hear your bullshit. We 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 appreciate we appreciate you. Uh, yeah, she she uh, relocated. She did all this relocation so she could be closer to straight to tape and be more hands on. Yes, so we baby. we appreciate her for that. We well, love we her love for that. And we love you. And be back to work next week, baby. Love you. Right, anyway, right. and uh, of course, social media assassin Rob the actual. I'm out. This, this this is this has been delayed long enough. Peace. Love y'all. <laughs> we ain't even over, over, nigga. We just like twelve minutes over. I mean, that's exactly. all. I mean, why? You, I mean, really? That's man. all. Bye. Bye. Good night. That's all. I gotta go fry chicken parts. Goodbye. And, and, right. Anyway, Ooh, that and look, is so black. look, that's so racist. Yeah, I know. Wrap look, it it's your man Steve Perry Elysia the second. Yo, thank you, thank you for a beautiful birthday. We will see you next week. As always, as always. Let's get active and uh, we out. Tschüss.